Welcome, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Ape Academy podcast, Act, Protect, Engage. This beat is absolutely incredible. All beats for our podcast are produced just for us. Mr. Organic Dope, my childhood friend from Philadelphia. Man, great. I'm telling you, there's some talent out here. He's the best up-and-coming producer in my city. Let's let it ride for a second. Welcome to the Ape Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Chase H. I'm the CEO of Ape Defensive Solutions, the parent company to the Ape Academy Podcast. This is my passion project. I love it. I love podcasting. Yeah. In 2022, we're taking over. We just got our first download from Russia today. We're being downloaded on four continents. Thank you so much to all my supporters. I love you guys. This is what I do it for, for you. Thank you to all my international listeners. The support, you will never understand how much that means to us here at Ape. Thank you so much, guys. All right. I wish I could play this forever, but we'll be back. All right. Woo. That was a great start, huh? Great start to the podcast. All right. So we have one sponsor for 2022, and that is us, Ape Defensive Solutions, LLC. We're our own beast. We are our own entity in 2022, guys. We're taking over. We really want to break into the Apple Top 100. And in order to do that, we need everyone's help. All you guys out there listening, we need your help. Please, if you have a few extra minutes, a few extra seconds, press the subscribe button. Press the like button. Press the follow button. Turn on your post notifications. If you have a few minutes, write a great review. Rate and review us. Every single one of those counts, all right? So don't think you're just, you know, some person out there and you don't matter. You matter. <laughs> just like the, the, the uh, politicians say, every vote counts. Every review counts. Every like counts. Every subscription counts, okay? We really appreciate it. So, we are back with another episode. If you haven't listened before, welcome Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is a laid-back, informal podcast. I am an amateur at this, but I love it, and I'm getting better each time. Today's episode is going to cover the 1911. Okay, so if you don't know, we did a previous podcast. I think it was like three, maybe what, two two podcasts ago, guys? Was it two? 
I think it was, it was two, right, guys? Two episodes ago, it was called God's Caliber, the 1911 and 45 ACP, and it kind of traced the early history of the 45 ACP as a caliber, and it also kind of running parallel with the history of the 45 ACP is the 1911. All right, so the 1911 is probably the most iconic firearm in American history. Maybe even the world, maybe even world history. Who knows? But it's definitely iconic in America. And um, the history of the 1911 is closely kind of linked and intertwined, interwoven, let's just say interwoven with the history of the U.S. military. The advancements that the U.S. military made throughout the years kind of can go hand in hand with the improvements and the technology, technology, technological, I can't talk, advances of the firearm, right? So they kind of go hand in hand, right? So today's episode is part two of this discussion about the 1911. God's caliber, the 45 ACP, okay, and the 1911, all right? Let's talk about it. First things first, let's talk about the 45 ACP as a bullet as a caliber all right so we kind of want to set the stage i talked about the history i want to do a quick section about the performance of the 45 acp so remember the 45 acp stands for automatic colt pistol that's what acp stands for and the standard issue 45 acp round has a 230 grain bullet and this bullet travels at 830 feet per second when it's fired from an M1911A1. So that's the weapon we're talking about. We're talking about the M1911A1. So when you press that trigger, that crisp single action trigger on the 1911A1, the bullet that comes out is 230 grain. It's a big old heavy bullet, right? And it's traveling pretty slow for a bullet, right? Around 830 feet per second. In comparison, a nine millimeter is a is about a hundred and mm, let's just say thirty grain, okay, traveling at like eleven hundred feet per second approximately. So just think about it. Think about the, the difference in speed. The nine millimeter is subsonic, right? It breaks the sound barrier, okay. The forty five is slower, but it has more energy on impact, all right. And remember, when we're talking about the bullet, we're not talking about the entire casing of the round. We're just talking about the tip, <laughs> that's what she said, right? The tip of the round, not the brass casing, okay? So just the tip is 130 grains, I'm a child, traveling at 830 feet per second, all right? It's, it has pretty low pressure though. Considering how big and how powerful it is, it has pretty low pressure. The maximum chamber pressure rating of 21,000 PSI compared to 35,000 PSI for nine millimeter and 40 is pretty impressive. Okay, I, I don't know how they did that. So the 45 ACP, the pressure, the chamber pressure is only 21,000 PSI. And for some reason, the chamber pressure for the nine millimeter and the 40 is much higher. So that's pretty cool. So in this FMJ, which is full metal jacket. So I think we also talked about previously on our ammunition episode about the difference between FMJ, which is full metal jacket and hollow point rounds, okay? 
And if you don't remember, just go back. Um, I think it's called Ammo 101. Just go back and find that episode. I'll actually post a link to it in my story on IG. Speaking of IG, follow us on IG, IG at Ape Academy, A.P.E Academy. But if you type in A.P, it'll pop right up. We're also on Twitter at A underscore defensive and on Facebook, Ape Defensive Solutions. Okay. All right. Shameless plug. All right. So in its FMJ form, the non-expanding form, the 45 has a reputation for effectiveness against human targets because of its heavy mass. It can deeply penetrate tissue and it can do extreme damage to the central nervous system. Okay. So you don't even have to have a 45 in hollow point, right? You don't have to have a 45 hollow point in order to do a lot of damage. Just in the basic FMJ version of the 45 caliber, it will do enough damage to stop pretty much anybody. All right. If you know how to shoot, if you can hit center mass, it doesn't matter if you carry a hollow point or FMJ. It's going to do the trick. Not necessarily the case with 9mm. It just depends on the bullet weight and the speed. But for 45, you're good across the board. So if you guys are worried about, man, like I have a 45 and oh, man, I just can't afford those really expensive jacketed hollow point rounds for 45, don't worry about it. You can buy FMJ. Full metal jacket rounds is basic rounds and you'll, you'll be fine. Trust me, you'll be fine. Okay. They do a lot of damage because they hit with a lot of force and they're really heavy. All right. So the 45 is 115 millimeters in diameter and it creates a larger permanent wound channel than other calibers. So what is a permanent wound channel? So when the 45 ACP hits, it doesn't just hit and patch through, right? Like 5.56 does. It hits, and whatever it hits, it tears apart, right, on the way in. So it penetrates your skin. It creates a cavity. The muzzle force, or I mean the muzzle energy that it leaves the firearm with is translated into stopping power, into punching power when it hits your body. So it penetrates the body, and when it penetrates the body, it rips everything apart on the inside. Because it's so heavy. It's such a heavy bullet. So the wound is much bigger than a smaller 9mm or a smaller 40. Although a 40 is also very big. And the bigger the wound, the better. The more bleeding, right? The more shock that the body will go into. The more tissues and organs that are damaged. Okay? When we're talking strictly defensive. I'm not promoting, <laughs> I'm not promoting violence in any way. I'm just saying... As a bullet, you want a bullet that can create a lot of a lot of impact, a lot of energy, and create big, gigantic wounds. That's what you want, because that's the only way to stop somebody. And we talked about that once again in our Ammo 101 podcast. Go back and check it out, guys. It's pretty dope. However, there's also cons. It's not just all pros. So after two years of testing, the FBI commented that adopting the 45 or the 40 you can do that but you're doing that at the risk of increasing recoil and a possible reduction in accuracy so that's kind of the trade-off right so you can't just have a big old 
Goliath round that can shoot perfectly, has perfect accuracy, has no recoil, and can stop anyone. That just doesn't happen. That would be a perfect world, and that doesn't exist. So the trade-off for that big, heavy bullet that has a lot of stopping power is an increase in recoil. And with an increase in recoil, usually now good shooters will, able, will be able to overcome that fairly easily no problem but but for beginners that increased that increased weight and that increased recoil will really affect accuracy so if you do have a 45 make sure you shoot it a lot the more you shoot it the better because you'll start creating that muscle memory that it takes to shoot a big old heavy caliber effectively the bigger the caliber the more you want to shoot it now you should shoot all the time anyway. You should be at the range as much as you can get, as much as you can make it, right? I know life is busy and we have responsibilities and obligations. I get that. So I say, you know, two, three times a month. But if you have a bigger caliber and you have some people in your house that maybe aren't as experienced as you, maybe a daughter, a young son, a wife, a husband that doesn't like guns, you might want to shoot more. You might want to get them more accustomed to this caliber because it's a very powerful caliber. And it's hard to shoot accurately if you're not used to the recoil and the weight, okay? That's key. For me, <laughs> I'm telling you, right? So I tell people all the time, they're like, Chase, um, I'm going on a rant right now, by the way. They go, Chase, you know, what caliber should I, should I recommend for my wife or for my boyfriend or for myself right i would say a nine millimeter and they say well you know a 45 is god's caliber and blah 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 i'm like i understand that but are you going to be able to carry god's caliber all day okay i'm telling you guys listen up i'm telling you if you got a big old 45 carry it all the time get used to that weight because you're not going to want to carry it if it's too heavy i'm look I have a Glock 17. It's a full-size gun. And even for me, a big old strong strapping young man like me, I don't always want to carry it. And that's a 9mm Glock 17. A big old 45 1911, all steel. Man, that thing gets heavy after a few hours and uncomfortable and bulky. So you have to get used to it. You have to you have to adapt to it. Your body has to get used to carrying that extra weight around your waist, right? And also your skin, you know, rubbing against your skin, chafing. Make sure you get the right holster, okay? All right, that's, I'm done with my rant. The 45 tested last in accuracy and time to recover. So when the FBI did their test, they test every caliber, and the 45 unfortunately tested last in accuracy. And time to recover means how much time does it take to settle back on target? So when you pull that trigger, there's a little bit of recoil, right? And a little bit of muzzle flip, your muzzle goes up. How long does it take from when your muzzle flips to when you settle back on the target and, and get that good accurate follow-up shot? How long does that take? So 45 tested last in accuracy and time to recover, which is expected. There's, that's okay. You know what I mean? That's not like a death sentence for the 45. Not at all. That just shows that it's just a bigger, more powerful caliber that it takes a little bit more skill and a little bit more practice to shoot accurately. That's all it's trying to say. That's all that test says. All right, so what are we talking about next? So that's just an introduction to bullet performance, okay? I wanted to get that out the way. 
because after 45 minutes of talking, I can get kind of tired, <laughs> kind of lazy. So I want to get that technical stuff out of the way in the beginning so I don't stumble and bumble through it at the end. And by the end, you guys are like, yo, this dude's voice, I can't take it anymore. And you shut it off. So I want to make sure you get all the cool bullet, nerdy, velocity, performance stuff out of the way in the beginning. All right, all right, here we go. So, God's Caliber Part 2. The first episode, we talked about how America defeated Spain in the Philippines. Now, there's a war between Spain and the United States in the 1800s, the late 1800s. And the Marines came ashore in the Philippines and they overthrew the Spanish colonial government. Unfortunately, they also inherited all the Spanish problems when they did that. So when they overthrew the Spanish colonials, all of a sudden these tribesmen, they're called the Moro tribesmen, they were having a revolt against the Spanish. What they did was they continued the revolt against the U.S. occupiers. So we were engaged in this hand-to-hand guerrilla warfare for 15 years. And during this time, the U.S. Marines and sailors, they found out that their 38 special sidearms, their revolvers, weren't doing crap. They weren't stopping anything. The Moro tribesmen were known to be fanatical warriors, and they were also known to take opiates before battle. And what that did was it, it kind of decreased their, their, well, it increased their pain tolerance, their pain threshold, and it decreased their their ability to feel pain, right? So those 38 caliber bullets were not working. They weren't doing anything. The Army, or not the Army, the U.S. Marines had such a hard time that they had to go back to their old 1873 Colt 45s that they used to fight the, and defeat the American Indians with. So the Indian Wars were fought in the late... 19th century so we're talking like mid to late 19th century so like 1840 to like 1880 1888 around there okay the US Cavalry was using the old Colt 45 the really long like 9 inch barrel 6 shooters but they were more effective they did the trick so the government was like gosh okay we need to change something up something up so they adopted um, the 45, but they needed a savior. John Browning was that guy, okay? Go back and listen to the first podcast. John Moses Browning was a genius. He, he invented so many different weapons that are still in use today, including the Ma Deuce, the M2 Browning 50 caliber machine gun, which we still mount on our Humvees, on our RG33s, on our Bradleys, we still mount those guns and use them against the Taliban and ISIS and Al-Qaeda to this day. All right, so that's a quick recap of the last episode. Now, the 1911 was first tested in combat in Mexico in 1916. So the 1911 was John Moses Browning's, possibly his greatest achievement. It was a single action pistol with a manual safety and a grip safety in 45 ACP automatic Colt pistol okay in 1916 
1916, Mexico was in the midst of a turbulent revolution led by General Pancho Villa. During the early hours of March 9th, 1916, Pancho Villa and his men attacked, looted, and burned the tiny town of Columbus, New Mexico, killing 18 U.S. soldiers and civilians. He also attacked other towns and other settlements in the area, which led to the deaths of several more U.S. soldiers and U.S. officials. So, this idiot, General Pancho Villa, decided to wage a mini-war against the U.S. At that time, New Mexico was, was a state, right? So, New Mexico, California, Arizona, that area was all Mexican territory before the Mexican-American War. We won that war. It became annexed into the United States. However, there's still a lot of Mexican citizens living on the land, right? So a lot of times you, you think Mexicans considered, you know, that's still their land. So they would, you know, bands of uh, Mexican bandits would be terrorizing settlements, and he was no different. In response to these unprovoked attacks, President Woodrow Wilson sent General John J. Black Jack Persing with a force of 5,000 men into Mexico to capture or kill Pancho. So, Black Jack was sent to get Pancho. Woodrow wanted his head. You can't just go around killing U.S. citizens and soldiers without payback, so we needed to go find him. Interestingly enough, many future legends, many future military legends, like the young, ambitious, hot-headed Lieutenant George S. Patton got their first taste of combat on this specific operation. So a lot of the, the later, the World War II heroes, they cut their teeth fighting in, Mex in Mexico, just like the heroes of the Civil War on both sides cut their teeth fighting in the Mexican-American War. Same thing. These smaller conflicts, a lot of the times, they are like the training ground for the future leaders of the military. So they start off as young lieutenants fighting small conflicts in Mexico, right, wherever. And then all of a sudden they get that experience and they use it in a much larger, more significant conflict. So that's pretty awesome. Pretty dope. All right. However, the bad thing about this expedition was it didn't really produce any results. It failed to capture Villa, but it was a valuable test for a few new technologies, such as the airplane, the wireless telegraph, the motorized truck transportation system, Right, so they were, <laughs> I know it sounds crazy now, but they didn't have trucks back then. This is 1916. They were just beginning to use, like, to put together a system of transportation using motorized vehicles. They were still using horses in the, in the late 1900s, right? And, more importantly, the M1911A1 was freaking tested in Mexico in combat for the first time. All right, 
World War One, the crucible of combat, the proving ground for the 1911. 1917 marked the entry of the U.S. into the First World War. American forces were under the command, once again, of General Blackjack Persing. But they were now joined with Canadian, French, and British forces to battle Germany and its allies on the Western Front. Now, we're going to go into World War I in 2022 on this podcast. But for now, it's a much, much too... It's much too big of a topic to cover in, in this specific episode. But trust me, we're going to get into it. There are a lot of heroes in, in the First World War, and we're going to discuss two today, but have patience. We're going to get there. Okay. Over one million Americans fought in the war. That's a lot of people. Much of the combat was conducted in trenches. Close quarter, savage combat was the norm. The powerful M1911 proved equal to the task. It became a favorite weapon of American troops, especially in close. When we're talking close quarters, you need a reliable, powerful, simple weapon that can do the job, that can stop a man with one well-aimed shot. In the last episode, I talked about how during the trials, 6,000 rounds were shot through John Browning's M1911 that was that was you know submitted for the test 6,000 rounds not one malfunction it got so hot that they had to dump they had to dunk the weapon into a jug of water to cool it down they didn't report one malfunction okay so in combat you need this type of reliability you need the reliability of a weapon that's going to perform under any conditions so the M1911 was more than up for the task okay during one particularly legendary engagement, Sergeant Alvin York used his M1911 to kill six German soldiers with six shots. And in the process of killing these Germans, he earned the Medal of Honor. So it was a, it was a mission where they were trying to capture German guns. He single-handedly killed like 35 Germans and got like a few hundred prisoners. From, from, the, uh, from the melee, from the battle, from the close quarters battle. He won the Medal of Honor for it. And his weapon of choice was the M1911. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. We're at 27 freaking minutes of straight talking. I'm going to give you guys a much-needed break from my monotone voice. I hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. Ape. This song is called Hattori Hanzo by Organic Dope. Thank you, Organic Dope. This is a dope freaking song. 
Let's let it finish. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Great freaking music, man. I get all my music custom made for this podcast by my friend. Thank you, Mr. Organic Dope, for the great art for the podcast. All right, we're back. We're talking about the M1911 and its freaking legendary history in war, in combat. All right, let's talk about another hero. Lieutenant Frank Luke of the U.S. Army Air Corps was posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor for his feats during air combat and his heroism in defending himself against a wave of German infantry. So what happened was he crashed behind enemy lines. He was conducting air operations, air combat, and he got shot down. His plane was on fire. He escaped. He managed to crawl out of the wreckage. He only had only thing he had was a 1911. Wave after wave of Germans came at him. He killed many of them. Hand to hand, right? They kept coming wave after wave after wave. He kept mowing them down with his 1911. Eventually, he was mortally wounded. But not before he took the enemy with him. Right? And that's all you can hope for. Is that you die gloriously surrounded by your enemy. Right? So he won the Medal of Honor for that. And guess what his weapon of choice was the M1911 in 45 ACP alright post war post war subtle refinements to the basic M1911 such as improved sights an arched mainspring main housing a shorter trigger a longer grip safety spur and other ergonomic improvements okay were you know tweaked after the war right subtle subtle refinements these improvements were finalized in 1924 and this resulted in the model M1911A1 okay so actually the entire time pre-war so in World War One in Mexico they were using the M1911 these improvements these refinements such as the improved sites the arch mainspring housing, the shorter trigger, the longer grip safety spur, and other you know minor ergonomic improvements, it resulted in a new model called the A1, right? So the A1 is what they were using after World War One. During World War One, it was just the M1911, all right? So if I used the 1911 A1 beforehand, I apologize for that, but the 1911 A1 is the model that everyone used after these improvements were made after 1924 okay so sorry for any confusion i might have uh, accidentally used the uh, term m1911 a1 previously in the podcast but just know that the m1911 a1 is the model that was that was refined and produced in 1924 moving forward okay not long after john moses browning died suddenly and tragically of a heart attack at the FN headquarters in Belgium on November 26, 1926. Okay. During this era, so we're talking after Mr. Browning's tragic death, right? He was a freaking icon and a legendary designer, developer, visionary, right? He changed the game. 
So after his death, his sudden death, the M1911A1 became a favorite sidearm of multiple law enforcement agencies. It was the it was first used in a 45 ACP, and then they modified it to use the ultra fast 38 Super, which is kind of cool. Um, the Texas Rangers, Border Patrol, Prohibition Service, and the FBI all use the M1911A1 as their primary sidearm, which is pretty awesome. So it transitioned from strictly a military weapon, strictly used for the, at first it was used for the cavalry. Then they decided to use it, you know, all the different agencies adopted, so the agencies, all the different branches adopted, so the Army, the Marines, and the uh, Navy. Then later the Air Force. But then it started transitioning into the civilian sector, so into the law enforcement side, which is what we're seeing right now, right? There's a blend between law enforcement, military, and civilian worlds, which is pretty dope, kind of like a sharing of knowledge, and I really find that refreshing. And this is kind of how it first started. It started with the 1911, how the worlds of the civilian, the law enforcement world, and the military world all kind of came together in one. The M1911A1 saw extensive action after the December 7, 1941 Japanese surprise attack at Pearl Harbor. The sneak attack at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941 is really what launched the M1911 in the prominence because it was used extensively in the Pacific, specifically in the Pacific, but also in Europe during the Second World War. All right. It was the standard sidearm for almost all U.S. forces. Over 3 million pistols were produced during the Second World War. The 1911, the Browning machine gun, and the BAR, the BAR, the Browning automatic rifle, played leading roles in defending liberty, liberty and crushing tyranny. So all these freaking dope inventions by Mr. Browning, all these distinctly American kick-ass weapons were used specifically to defeat tyranny and defeat evil in Europe and in the, and in the freaking Pacific theaters, okay? That is freaking awesome. The M1911A1 continued to serve in wars throughout the 20th century, including Korea Vietnam, and Vietnam, all right? And it's still used today in some, some circles of the military. All right, it was still used today. That is pretty awesome. <laughs> what a rich legacy for a single firearm. So this is one model of firearm, and this has this long of a history. It's pretty cool. Um, 1911s are great. I've shot a bunch of them. They are amazing pistols. It takes a little bit of practice to get used to it, but once you're used to it, you can shoot it like a charm. It shoots great. They're durable, they're accurate, they have great uh, sights, a great trigger, single action trigger. Definitely, if you have a little bit of extra money and you want to expand your your uh, expand your firearms arsenal, <laughs> expand your mind, dude. If you want to expand your mind, go out and look for a 1911. You can get one for like 500. And their, their quality, trust me. All right, guys, that's all we got for today, man. The 1911, I hope you enjoyed it. I really, really do. I really enjoyed doing this podcast today because I learned so much. 
I learned so much about the 1911. Don't forget, please rate, review, and subscribe. We're working on getting better and better each time we do a podcast. All right. We appreciate all our international listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in, especially our U.S. folks, our U.S. followers. We love you guys. Please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms on Instagram at Ape Academy, on Twitter at A underscore defensive, on Facebook, Ape Defensive Solutions. God bless you. Stay safe. Put God in your family first. Positivity only in 2022. Don't let anyone tell you you cannot achieve something. You prove them wrong. Ape. Ape. Out. Let's go. Enjoy your day, man. We're back. We're back. We're coming back strong with some great content. Stay tuned. Ape.